Welcome to the Parkcast series, episode 44, part 1. Intergenerational Trauma, Beyond the Cycle of Abuse. The Parkcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast defines intergenerational trauma and the affiliated theory of a cycle of abuse, illuminating logical and empirically supported fallacies of a rigid pathological view of trauma. Alternative and holistic representations of intergenerational trauma are offered. It is well known that experiences of adversity and trauma can interfere with individual cognitive functioning and a host of symptomology that result from corresponding emotional dysregulation. As researchers and social scientists further understand the impacts of trauma on children and adults, a wider picture emerges that begins to capture how trauma asserts itself across different developmental pathways and between generations. Exploring this link, theorists often focus on early developmental experiences of adults and parents, noting that some have grown up in chaotic home environments that did not provide them with adequate exposure to healthy modes of parenting, including parenting with warmth, positivity, and consistency. When a caregiver who has been traumatized perpetuates trauma on a child, either via parenting practices, maltreatment, or exposure to violence, it is commonly termed as intergenerational trauma and is understood as a caregiver modeling their own traumatic experiences to a child. Underlying the theoretical reasoning behind intergenerational trauma is the idea that parents with a history of trauma are at risk of transmitting this trauma onto the child, resulting in a number of behavioral issues, including depression, anxiety, and psychosomatic problems. This has also been referred to as the cycle of abuse and has been widely popularized as an explanative conception of trauma. Research on this topic seemingly supports the theory of intergenerational trauma, revealing that a history of childhood maltreatment is the strongest predictor that a caregiver will maltreat in the future. Parents with higher levels of trauma exposure report more traumatic events occurring to their children. High levels of trauma have been found in mothers screened for child welfare services. Within a sample of mothers receiving child welfare services in New York, over 92% reported having been exposed to at least one traumatic event, approximately 54% met the clinical criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, 49% had comorbid PTSD with depression, and the vast majority were not receiving mental health services. Such research, however, fails to provide an accurate picture of how trauma does or does not transmit itself across generations, nor does it explore circumstances that contribute to risk and prevention. More detailed studies examine emotional themes, such as specific factors that can trigger emotional experiences and cognitive responses in caregivers, and open possible causal pathways linking early childhood trauma and later life responses. For example, common perceptions speculate that depressed mothers will parent with behavior similar to how they were raised. However, a more nuanced explanation of this relationship shows that depressed parents with histories of trauma may assert more psychological control in an effort to hinder a child's natural desire for autonomy in early adolescence. Zalewski and colleagues explain that this is because independent behaviors in children can elicit anxiety in parents with comorbid trauma and depression, 
causing the parent to react by stifling the cause of their stress. Studies like this further illuminate the intricate connection between trauma history and parenting. It is the intention of this literature review to outline a perception of intergenerational trauma that moves beyond the linear and constrictive definition of this phenomena as strictly a cycle of abuse. Parent-Child Attachment Centerpiece to the discussion on intergenerational trauma is an understanding of attachment between parent and child. Indeed, parent-child attachment is where intergenerational trauma elicits a powerful impact. For a more fulsome background understanding of attachment theory, please reference our particle literature review entitled Attachment and Child Welfare. Trauma contributes to attachment issues as they impact long-term adjustment within the developing parent-child relationship. The influence of trauma can occur in multiple domains across the parent-child relationship, hindering a caregiver's ability to foster a healthy connection. According to Ainsworth, these domains include the following. Detecting and clearly reading a child's emotional and physical cues for comfort. Being sensitive and attuned to a child's needs. Displaying the appropriate level of affect and engagement with the child. And demonstrating acceptance of a child's behaviors and feelings. Caregivers who have experienced trauma may become more attuned to their own internal cues related to trauma symptomology and consequently be less attuned to the child's bid for attention which can hinder their ability to respond in an appropriate way. When caregivers are less emotionally available to their children due to a preoccupation with their own trauma, they may provoke fear in the child and alter the development of emotional regulation skills. In his book, The Realm of Hungry Ghosts, Canadian psychologist Dr. Gabor Maté summarizes the transference of maladaptive emotional states within the parent-child relationship when trauma is a factor. To quote from his book, When, owing to internal demons arising from their own childhoods or external stressors in their lives, parents are unable to regulate, that is, keep within a tolerable range, the emotional milieu of the infant, the child's brain has to adapt by tuning out, by emotional shutting down, and by finding ways to self-soothe. As explained by Dr. Maté, mother-infant bonding is one way trauma affects child development, which is often caused by less positive parenting, including low affective sensitivity, low parental warmth, and low engagement. Without these crucial bonding implements, a parent's ability to provide safety, security, and comfort for a child diminishes and greatly reduces the child's base from which to explore a range of emotional experiences. The developmental impacts that can arise from fissures in parent-child attachment are long-term and explained further in this podcast. Post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD. PTSD is a set of long-term emotional symptomology that can arise after experiencing trauma. Symptom clusters of PTSD include re-experiencing trauma, avoidance of trauma-related stimuli, negative cognitions and mood, and persistent symptoms of hyperarousal. For more information on PTSD, please refer to the Particle Literature Review entitled Trauma in Children and Adolescents. Estimates suggest that at least one in nine women in the United States will meet the clinical criteria for PTSD in their lifetime, with a much higher number exhibiting one or more symptoms under the clinical threshold. Women who experience significant trauma as children are more likely to meet clinical criteria for PTSD when compared to the general population, 
This data is cause for concern as PTSD can contribute to different negative parenting outcomes, such as withdrawn, unresponsive, and unavailable behaviors, overprotecting and constricting child autonomy, dissociation leading to parenting inconsistencies, use of corporal punishment and aggressive parenting tactics, and higher risks of child abuse. Parental PTSD has been related to lower levels of parent functioning, greater perceived parenting challenges, low parental satisfaction, and parenting stress. Given this range of adverse outcomes and the fact that PTSD has a high instance of comorbid depression and anxiety in adults, it would suffice to say that parental PTSD can have many negative impacts on parent-child bonding. Symptoms and prevalence of PTSD is one pathway that can alter and or determine outcomes in the intergenerational transmission of trauma. Research suggests that mothers with a history of trauma may be hypervigilant to the negative expressions of their children and are less able to help regulate a child's stress, possibly by avoiding the child, being less responsive and sensitive, and not soothing. This is because distress from a child can act as a trigger for parents with PTSD, and children with irritability, aggression, anxiety, and other internalizing or externalizing symptoms may exacerbate the PTSD symptoms of a parent. However, it is important to note that not all people who experience trauma will develop PTSD, though PTSD is more likely to develop if the trauma was experienced in childhood, and that PTSD symptoms are not exclusive determinants of maltreatment and parenting deficits. Thinking critically. How do you identify risk for intergenerational trauma? What warning signs or assumptions cue you in to the possibility of maltreatment due to parental trauma? Are they evidence-based? Problematizing the cycle of abuse. By now we can see how the intergenerational transmission of trauma is not linear or deterministic, as would be assumed by the cycle of abuse model, but ever-changing according to multiple biopsychosocial factors. Utilizing an evidence-informed practice, EIP, perspective, every case involving trauma will include a unique combination of presenting problems, client needs, and contextual factors. Pathways toward intergenerational transmission of trauma involve a dynamic interplay with contextual factors that act as either protective or perpetuating. In the print version of this literature review, an EIP map shows how child and family domains can overlap, finding equal space for the judicious use of the best available evidence when making practice decisions. You can reference this figure on page 6 of the Particle Literature Review. An important caveat when examining intergenerational trauma is that not all traumatized parents will abuse, and not all parents who abuse are traumatized. It is not a given that parents with histories of trauma are at high risk of traumatizing their own children. Gaining a fulsome understanding of intergenerational transmission of trauma involves disentangling the pathway between parental trauma and childhood outcomes to better establish risk factors. An example of disentangling pathways of trauma is the case of a child exposure to interpersonal violence. Conventional practice wisdom might assert that all children who are exposed to interpersonal violence will absorb the conflict and violence they witness within the home and therefore suffer long-term developmental and behavioral deficits. Indeed, a dearth of research supports this notion. However, another large body of literature exists, suggesting that women strive to be good mothers in situations of IPV 
and may in fact develop a range of positive parenting strategies to achieve this and compensate for the deleterious effects of IPV on their children. Supporting this theory are a handful of studies showing mothers with histories of IPV scoring high on a range of positive parenting practices. It is clear that the intergenerational transmission of trauma is not a simple cause-and-effect relationship, but something dependent on the uniqueness of individuals, families, and the systems they occupy. Following, two valuable and enmeshed theoretical perspectives are explained as a more appropriate alternative to the cycle of abuse model. Life Course Theory It is well established that trauma and health symptoms contribute to symptoms that occur across the lifespan and are dependent on personal history, relationships, and larger structural factors. A caregiver's ability to cope with stress related to trauma therefore depends on their own unique situational and historical factors. Although a caregiver's own early life experiences within the parent-child relationship are central to their development in adulthood, there are other factors that contribute to parenting practices that change over the life course. Life course theory considers the breadth of life experiences across an individual's history, including both structural and socioeconomic factors, to help understand the trajectory of outcomes for a person. Central to this theory is the notion that people and situations change over time, and therefore outcomes and related factors also change. An example of life course theory as applied to intergenerational trauma emerges in the study of trauma resolution. Resolution is the extent to which trauma has been integrated into an individual's mind in a way that enables them to healthily orientate to the present. The extent to which the transmission of intergenerational trauma will occur is dependent on how well a parent has resolved past trauma. It has been found that children with mothers who were more resolved in their trauma, measured as having high sensitivity, cooperation, and coherence in behavior, as well as being accepting, involved in the parent-child relationship, and showing low levels of hostility. Resolution can increase over the life course, even in severe trauma cases, and act as a buffer between trauma and parenting, separating the trauma experience and the present. For example, research using a community sample of 483 mothers found that recent, past year or less, maternal interpersonal violence, or IPV victimization, can impact the nature of parenting practice leaving mothers at high risk of aggressive parenting and psychological abuse. However, this effect diminished after 12 months lapsed from the most recent IPV event, and parenting practices transitioned to a more positive method. This study clearly shows the potential for malleability across the life course and exemplifies important changes in parenting that occur over time. Ecological Developmental Theory an ecological developmental lens builds on life course theory by embedding a child and family within a multi-layered set of systems to which they belong. Velsky provides examples of systems within the ecology of the family, including contextual variables such as work, social networks and relationships, ontogenetic variables such as a parent's developmental history and personality, and child characteristics. Under an ecological developmental lens, Choice parenting style will depend on the wider context of the child and family, and parenting difficulties can result from different aspects of the family ecology, including the home environment and adversity faced by outside structural barriers. Research shows low socioeconomic status predicts early parenting and negative parenting outcomes, and further imbues how poor living conditions and poverty 
can add stress to family systems. This provides an added element that can exacerbate intergenerational trauma and complicate pathways between multiple generations. Workers need to understand the many systemic factors that contribute to current parenting behavior in order to accurately assess and plan services, effectively breaking the cycle of abuse. More important information on practice considerations will be discussed in part two of this podcast series on intergenerational trauma. Thinking critically. How can you use life course theory and ecological developmental theory to inform how you work with families where intergenerational trauma might be a factor? What child and family information is critically important to support working from a life course or ecological developmental lens? How well do your current assessment procedures capture this information? Moving beyond the cycle of abuse. Parenting practices are significant contributors to outcomes for children and impact both if and how trauma is transmitted between generations. To avoid making the mistake of assuming that parents with histories of trauma will necessarily traumatize their children, practitioners should move away from theories that rely on indiscriminate trauma pathologies and adopt perspectives that study the intricacies of parenting functioning within the context of historical and structural factors such as the theories we have discussed in this podcast. Toward the end of their seminal article, Do Abused Children Become Abusive Parents? Kaufman and Ziegler in 1987 framed this shift in research and practice in a statement that remains highly relevant in present day. To quote, The time has come for the intergenerational myth to be put aside and for researchers to cease asking, Do abused children become abusive parents? And ask instead, under what conditions is the transmission of abuse most likely to occur? This podcast has provided a theoretical rationale for an alternative to the concept of cycle of abuse while providing empirical evidence to support this shift. The follow-up podcast, Intergenerational Trauma, Parenting Outcomes and Considerations for Practice, provides a response to Kaufman and Ziegler's timeless question. Key Summary Points Trauma is transmitted between generations, primarily through parenting and the parent-child relationship. When a parent has a history of trauma, long-term deficits that manifest in emotional maladaptive behaviors can have an impact on attachment-related factors with the parent-child relationship. The pathway of intergenerational trauma is not deterministic, nor is it universal. The cycle of abuse proposes a narrow view that traumatized parents will perpetuate trauma on their children, when the reality of intergenerational trauma is much more nuanced by multiple factors in parent history, child and family characteristics, and the wider systemic ecology. Perspectives such as life course theory and ecological developmental theory help broaden the scope of intergenerational trauma by considering protective and risk factors that originate in multiple systems such as social, economic, and personal realms. You have been listening to the Parkcast series, episode 44, part 1. At parkcanada.org, you can access part 2 of this episode, as well as literature reviews in print format in the Particles Library. The Parkcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, 
the ParkCast series or practice and research together, please visit www.parkcanada.org.